While you're uh, finding your spot again, I will remind you or tell you for the first time, if you weren't with us last Sunday, we're uh, flipping things around for the month of November. We're having a specific focus on worship. And though worship is a lifestyle and a life stance, um, uh, a big part of our worship is when we corporately gather to sing and to praise the Lord with our, our voices, our hearts, our minds, and our bodies. So um, we're flipping things around to, to speak first. That's the proclamation part. And then to be all a part of the demonstration of God's worth and worthiness as we worship. So just in case you wonder, did I do something wrong? How come he's up there already? You know, um, I was hoping to be asleep by now or something like that. Um, that's what's happening. So I, I ask you to greet one another and, and just remind one another, if you could, uh, that God's in control of all things. There's a divine order this morning that the Lord has stamped on us as a people. By the way, it's not our order. <laughs> um, so a lot of weird things happened. The, the music didn't work. The bass player, God bless his baseful soul, forgot his bass. <laughs> he brought his mandolin. <laughs> he brought his uh, uh, accordion. Uh, it'll all work out. Um, and uh, just, I just be, before we go into the message, and it's going to be a little different this morning, I'm going to have a pretty extensive reading from the Bible um, and then just some comments, really. But uh, it, I'm just aware of a lot happening. And I don't know if you get to that place in your life sometimes, you just realize there's, there's really too much than can, that can fit in my brain, and there's too much happening that even can have room and resound in my heart. And sometimes that's all the great stuff, and sometimes that's all the difficulty. So I just wanted to take a few minutes and recognize all that's happening. Just be aware. Um, Last week, uh, though we didn't mention it, we had some people in the lobby, was uh, Adoption Sunday. Do you, do you realize that there are 153 million orphans in the world? We walk in, well taken care of for the most part, and there are 153 million orphans that have need. 550,000 in foster care in our country. Over 130,000 that are in desperate need of adoption. I don't put this on you this morning to bring you down, but to make you aware, this is what we live in. This is the state of affairs in our world and in our nation. God is on the throne and in sovereign control. And he's moving and doing things. In, in, in some cases, he's moving to inspire people to care for his children. We were doing the HOTS ministry yesterday, healing on the streets. Uh, you're welcome to be a part of that. Next time it's December 8th on a Saturday morning or Saturday noon to 2. We were down at the canal and we were offering to pray for people. And so I, feeling pretty bold, walked up to this couple I didn't think I'd ever seen before and offered to pray for them. And the first thing they said was, aren't you the pastor at the vineyard? And I'm like, what have I done? You know. <laughs> and um, we got to know them uh, and uh, found out they had two children. They're, they're fostering these two children. Um, they've had them for almost a year. They're hoping for adoption. They'd already fostered other teenagers. They went from zero kids to three teenagers at an early point in their marriage because they were fostering these kids. And I tell you, they said they were blessed that we prayed for them. I felt blessed that we got to meet them. And uh, they're, they'll be here this morning, apparently. They said, yeah, we come to your church. <laughs> the growing number. I think we were there for, to be blessed by them yesterday and, and so that we could tell them, do you know there's an adoptive and foster group, a community of people growing in our church that gather two times a month? and just help one another care for the ones 
who don't have a voice and can't care for themselves. This Sunday, uh, someone determined around the nation that this is uh, a Sunday of prayer for the persecuted church. You know, there are a uh, hundred million believers in 60 different countries who are not free to practice their faith. I've met uh, uh, men and women from Iran who've spent time in jail for their faith. There are people under sentence of death right now in many, many countries simply because they would choose on a Sunday morning to do what we are doing this morning, gather in the name of Jesus and vocalize our commitment to him. So I just, again, not to bring you down, but to make you aware that the world is so much bigger than us. And though we can't bear it, because Jesus did that, we bear a part in the kingdom. This morning's theme is really surrender. And it's, you know, countercultural to most of us as Westerners. Surrender does not sound good, right? Never give up. Never surrender. I think that's Galaxy Quest. <clears throat> Or Churchill, one of them. (laughs) But the fact is, we surrender to God's perfect and sovereign control. And that means we release our resources to the king to use however he wants. I mean, just these two groups of people I've talked about so far, those the orphans and those in need of adoption, and persecuted church, these are two groups that bring nothing. They can't do for themselves. And in so many ways, they are dependent upon the believers of the world putting aside their own resources and their own comfort and their selfish ways. I'm speaking to all of us and myself and saying, you know what? I'm going to plant something for the eternal kingdom, not just the one I can see with my eyes and feel with my hands right now. It's Veterans Day, just to throw another thing in the mix. It's Veterans Day, and, and, you know, thinking about the persecuted church reminds me that freedom isn't free. However you feel about war, wherever your politics are, and they would be very diverse in this room, there are men and women who for uh, hundreds of years have given themselves, they have surrendered their lives to a higher cause, and they've given themselves so that we could have freedom to worship, freedom to vote, we elected a president. And however you feel about that, God is, un- is completely sovereign in his control. And now, praise God, you know what we get to do? Put down our banners and for some of us our anger and say, okay, Romans 13, submit yourself to your governing authorities. Pray for those in leadership. We serve them as servants of God. Now that's Unity. And the only people who get that unity are people who name the name of Jesus above every other name or party in the world. We get to be together in it. Praise God for that. You know, it's a a foretaste of heaven. It's a little foretaste of heaven. We're going to read Revelation 4, 5, and 7, and maybe any other chapters, I feel like, in a a few minutes. (laughs) And what we're going to see is this picture of heaven where there are people from every tribe and tongue, and people, and nation worshiping Jesus forever and ever. And when we come together with different views, different backgrounds, different everything, and worship one true God, he knits us together in the spirit, and we show people what heaven looks like. That's pretty cool. Uh, Yesterday, uh, 
hundreds of people showed up at Cool Creek Park to run for Izzy Maddox to raise money for the Maddox family as they fight cancer. Hundreds of people. It was beautiful. God gave a beautiful day. And there are dozens of others in our church who are in need of healing, which is why we're so glad that Danielle's leading the charge that we can pray, take a whole week and pray nonstop 24-7 for God to release his power in our midst in physical healing. If you've got more people you want on that list, talk to Danielle afterwards. We'll pray for everyone. Again, when we pray for someone to be restored physically, it's a foretaste of heaven. In heaven, no tears, no pain, no brokenness, no woundedness, no shame, no guilt, no pressure. And when we pray for release for people in their physical bodies and their spiritual circumstances, we're praying down a, a, a foretaste of heaven. And God so often just can't wait to give it. In fact, I think he's always wanting to give it. He knows that's where it's coming to in the end. I found yesterday as we talked to people on the canal, um, people are really open to having you pray for them. When you come without agenda, except could I ask God to bless you? For the most part, people are like, yeah. We had a Muslim guy. I, mean, I, I, I know he was a Muslim. And I said, anything we can pray for you? He says, yes. He puts his hands like this. What? My doctoral thesis. (laughs) And then he explained it, and I had to have him interpret. It was like tongues. I have no idea what he was talking about. (laughs) Biodynamics of something or other. And we prayed for this man from Egypt and his girlfriend from Brazil, and we prayed for God's blessing on them, and it was beautiful. I mean, when we laid our hands... My time is gone. We laid our hands on this guy from Egypt. You could see the shudder of the Holy Spirit go through him. I mean, Nikki, you just... And the, the woman, she's a strong Catholic, you could, just, you could just see her like encountering God on the canal. It was beautiful. People are hungry. In a, in a world that's increasingly unstable, how many of you recognize that? Increasingly unstable, people are longing for ultimate foundation and stability. And we, the church in a relationship with Jesus, are the only ones that have it to give. Read Hebrews 12 and 13 again. An unshakable kingdom is what God is giving to us. An unshakable kingdom is what God is establishing on earth. In our own city, last night, 3, 3.30 in the morning, there was an explosion. Down Greenwood, south side, I mean, an explosion. I know people from Ir- uh, Irvington, who heard the explosion in the middle of the night. At at this point, I think four have been confirmed dead. I mean, just in the middle of peace comes an explosion. And those people who are dealing with the effects of that explosion right now are at Southport Presbyterian Church, being cared for by who? The church. The hands and feet of Jesus. People are looking for an unshakable kingdom because the fact is we do not know what's coming next. This is really meant to be encouraging. I hope I'm, go- I'm getting there. <laughs> this is the reality of the now and the not yet in the kingdom. The kingdom has come and the war is still on and the kingdom is coming and Jesus will reign completely. As for now, those who uh, ha- have put our allegiance and our trust in him, we follow, sometimes at the peril of our lives, certainly at the peril of our self-centered lives because those have to die in order that we would be raised with Christ. Let's pray. And then I'll start. 
Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for your divine order, for all that's happening in our world, in our nation, in our city, in our church. And we give you great praise and worship this morning by declaring you're sovereign, you're in control. And Lord, not only do we hope it, but we believe it. And Lord, my prayer is that as we read through the scripture this morning, as we encounter you in worship, that we would surrender to that reality, that our lives would be realigned in accordance with that truth, that Jesus, you are creator, redeemer, and king. We pray in your name. Amen. Last week, um, I started this series on worship. I said the Lord had given me these four phrases, show up, give up, listen up, and offer up. And so last week, we talked about just showing up, just bringing your whole self to God in worship, body, mind, soul, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That worship is a lifestyle, not an event. That worship is actually a stance in our lives. That worship is freely giving our love to God, just freely from what God has given to us we're giving, giving our love back to him. And this morning I want to talk about these two words, give up. Or you just might want to write in your notes, translation, surrender. And that means to recognize and accept the reality of God's control in your life. Not just recognize, but recognize God's control in your life. And then surrender to that. To give up the facade of control that some of us feel like, you know, if God would just stop the world, I'd get everything figured out. Right? If people would just be more like you, wouldn't the world be better? Who doesn't think that sometimes? And the fact is, God has made us a diverse people so that we would depend ultimately on Him and in the body to be interdependent. We need one another, even our differences. To give up control of what He's put in our hands, our resources, to recognize the reality God has given everything that He's given to us to be stewards. A steward doesn't own. A steward cares for. And that's us. Everything that we have comes from God and it belongs to God. And when we give it, our spiritual gifts, our physical uh, resources, our money, our homes, our emotional support, we give out of God's hand. I love the picture. Hey, there they are. You do go to our church. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I talked about you in case you weren't here. Okay. It was all good. Uh, make sure you hear this. Surrender is not quitting. Okay? Because as Westerners, we, we, surrender to us, it means quit. Surrender is not quitting. Surrender is a holy realignment of resources. Surrender is not quitting. When I say surrender to God, I'm not saying quit your life. I mean, in a holy act of worship, realign your resources, spiritual, emotional, intellectual, physical, and put them on God's side. You're just recognizing who is your leader. At the famous men's retreat football game a couple of months ago, uh, we got to the beginning of the game and, you know, it was really fun and people were injured very quickly. So people were flying off the teams left and right. And it came to a point where one team had way too many people, you know, more than the other. So I volunteered to go from the team I was on to the other team. Just because 
we had to realign the resources in order to make the whole thing work. Now, the illustration would work better if my team had won in the end. <clears throat> we didn't. That's the now and the not yet. But the point is this. I wasn't quitting the game. I just was realigning my resources because there was need. That's what surrender to God is. It's not quitting your life. It's not saying that money doesn't matter. It's not saying that my time doesn't matter. It's not saying I'll just give up. You know, I'm like a tool and God can just pick me up if he wants. Otherwise, I'll just sit here. No, it's strategically and intentionally realigning all of your resources to be under God's control. They are under God's control. We just have to recognize it and then align ourselves with that reality. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves fighting against that reality. So I want you to, um, just for a minute here, to close your eyes, if you're comfortable. Close your eyes. Get yourself comfortable. If you want to put your hands out in a receptive sponge, you, you know, place, you can. Or just be comfortable. I'm going to read a few chapters from the Bible. I'm going to read Revelation 4 and Revelation 5 and some parts of Revelation 7. And this is a picture of worship. This is a picture of the reality in heaven now. This is the eternal truth that we as God's people are called to align ourselves with on earth. So just listen. It won't be up on the screen. If you want to see it, you can turn to your Bibles. Revelation chapter 4, I'm going to read. I want you to listen. And I don't mean this in a weird, mystical way, but be there. This is reality in heaven. Ephesians, it says that we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. In a sense, we're there. This is happening. And I'm just going to ask God, would you bring your awareness to us? This is the word of God. I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I'd heard, first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place. And at once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And, on the, one, and, uh, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne there were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders, and they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around. Even under his wings, day and night, they never stop saying, present tense, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne. 
and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, and he had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands. And 10,000 times 10,000, they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and all that is in them, singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Do you hear the worship going on in heaven? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen.
Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Listen to this promise from God. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of God. And we see in these chapters, the reality, chapter 4, of God as eternal creator. Everything that we have comes from God. And when we surrender to God, we realign our resources, all of ourselves, our stuff, our emotions. We're surrendering to our creator. Revelation 5, we see God who's worthy of our, of our worship as our redeemer. He's purchased us. We, in our own ways, have gone from God and we've essentially, with our acts of freedom in, in our lives, we've sold ourselves into slavery to, to, uh, to the enemy. And Jesus came to purchase us, to buy us out. It's called redemption. And so when we surrender to God, when we give all that we are and all that we have to him, we're surrendering to our Redeemer. In those uh, verses in uh, Revelation 7, we see God as the eternal king, the one who made all, sustains all, redeems all, and will be in control over all. He's our eternal guide. He's our king. He's a, a, a slain lamb, and he's a powerful warrior. And when we surrender to him as eternal king, what we're saying is, God, I want to align my life, my resources, my very self with what's already true in heaven. You own it all. You're using it all. You're redeeming it all. You're purchasing for yourself people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation. And we're a part of it. We're a part of it. When we give to God of our resources, ourselves, our finances, our time, it's not that God mandates it. God's not greedy for it. All God is asking for is an alignment of our lives with reality. When we truly recognize that it all comes from and belongs to God, we're walking in truth. And boy, the freedom when we walk in truth. Will you stand We're going to uh, go straight from here into communion. I talked uh, last Sunday about worship as freely giving our lives to God because he's freely given his life for us. And so for those of you who've placed your faith in Jesus, you've been purchased. Your robes, as it were, are white because of the blood of the lamb. This is your time to come and just remember what God has done for you. Take the bread the body of Christ broken for you. Dip it in the wine or juice, his very blood to cleanse you from your sin and freely give your love to him and commit yourself once again to surrender, to realigning your whole self, your whole life under his sovereign control. Communion servers, if you could come, ready, uh, come uh, 
prepare for us. And as you're ready, please come forward. When we're finished with communion, we'll uh, begin our musical worship with an offering, and then we'll abandon ourselves before the Lord.